welcome back to Things You Learn in Therapy. Thanks for joining me today. I am Dr. Beth Trammell, your host. I am a licensed psychologist, and I also focus on um, helping folks make words matter for good. Um, and I, I sort of had this vision for creating a podcast where clinicians can come together and talk about some of the, the most important things you learn in therapy. Um, my guest today, uh, Chrissy Reif joined. And as we were kind of talking beforehand, we were noting how therapy really is kind of an enigma for most people who maybe haven't been in therapy, who aren't clinicians themselves. Nobody really knows what happens behind closed doors. And so my hope today is to share additional pieces of, yeah, things you learn in therapy and whether you're a clinician or you're a person who's just curious about mental wellness you're in the right place. And today we are going to be talking about substance use recovery and specifically um, women in recovery because Chrissy Reif is, is here with us and, and that's really her, her area of expertise. But if you're listening and you're like, well, I'm not a woman in recovery, so I should just skip on over. No, stick around because what she's going to talk to us about will apply in many other areas. So Chrissy, thanks for being here. Can you introduce yourself to um, to listeners and tell us one fun thing about you? Okay, great. Yes, thank you for having me. So um, I'm Chrissy Reif. I'm a licensed professional counselor in the state of Pennsylvania. One fun thing, fact about me is um, I am actually, you know, relatively within the last five years have become a counselor. And I got my master's in 2014, graduated in 2016, and ended up working at the rehab facility that I got sober at. So I have been sober for 10 years. And um, yeah, so that's my fun fact. Congratulations on 10 years. What a journey. Thank you. Yes, yes. I I actually love, you know, this is part of uh, what we were talking about before we started that it really is a lifelong continuation of recovery, right? Absolutely. And, and I wanted to say too, what you had said initially about going to therapy being an enigma um, in general, you know, like people are kind of have an opinion about therapy Mm -hmm. so that kind of, they're like, all right, I don't feel comfortable going to therapy because they, aren't really sure what to expect. And then on top of it, if you're going, because you feel like you have a problem, the addiction or, you know, with a substance use, that's another layer to it. So then it's, you know, that kind of prevents people from getting the help they need. Because they, one, don't want to admit they have a problem, or maybe they don't mm-hmm. realize that it it is a problem. And so, As we just start kind of digging in here, we know that uh, substance use in the last two years, you know, during this pandemic has Mm -hmm. increased pretty significantly, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say there's folks out there who um, maybe have also personally experienced that increase in substance use. Maybe you've gone from, you know, having a glass of wine to having three or four glasses of wine a night or you know, maybe you were just kind of a social drinker and now you're kind of picking that up. And, and maybe there's a listener out there who's, who's kind of thinking, Hmm, I don't know, maybe it's a problem. Maybe it's not. Nope. I'm fine. I can still keep it together. How do you help folks understand like 
this is probably the time where it it is it's becoming a problem enough that you need to seek help. Mm-hmm. What do you say mm-hmm. to folks? Well, that's a great question. Um, that's you know one of the things it, because again, here's the stigma, and you know it all depends what their thoughts are about addiction, right? Mm-hmm. Or alcoholism or drug use is okay. A lot of people think. I can't be an alcoholic. I have a job. I take care of my kids. I make dinner. Um, you know, all that stuff. I'm not that person um, drinking out of a brown paper bag under a bridge, right? Yeah. I mean, look at this. Look, you know, I've got it all. It's I can't have a problem. So it starts with your consequences, right? Like, what are the consequences that are occurring with your drinking? So, for example, it's not just a hangover. It could be you know, are you not sleeping? Are you, you know, um, maybe, you know, finding yourself, you know, not enjoying the activities you were doing before. Um, yes, a hangover is part of it for sure. Um, and it's, is it disrupting your daily life? What are you finding that is going on? Right. Are you maybe, not exercising anymore, you know, whatever you have to decide what the consequences and if it's disrupting your life and it's also continued use given, even though there are negative consequences, mm. right. And you're kind of like avoiding them a little bit, you know, like in denial, denial is the big, right. The big, uh, factor. Are you really controlling, trying to really control your drinking? Um, I mean, there's lots of little things like that. Yeah. So maybe if you're a person who is like, yeah, so I know that my partner doesn't like that I drink, but I'm going to drink anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to wonder why they're, they don't like it. What's happening when you're drinking? Is it, are you acting like, you know, uh, your behavior is, you know, what does that look like? Um, are you fighting all the time? Are you you know, sleeping in, you know, not taking care of the kids or not being present for the kids. That's Mm -hmm. a good one. Um, you know, taking naps on the couch. I mean, I'm kind of speaking from my own experience, right. Of, um, what can, what can happen for sure. And to your point, you know, we all do those things from time to time, but when there are significant consequences because of your substance use, that's when we start to say, okay, maybe time to reach out and get some professional help. Sure. And everybody's consequence is different because there are people, when I worked at the rehab facility, you know, there's people that have had numerous, multiple DUIs and still it wasn't sinking in. Mm -hmm. Or you've had someone who's been in rehab, you know, I don't know, a couple times and still not getting it. So the consequences for them have not been enough. Yeah. Essentially, everybody's got their different bottom. Yep. So it's just a matter of, you know, unfortunately, when it gets to a point of it being, you know, jails, institutions or deaths, they basically say those, that's where you go. Um, once you, you know, if you're in the thick of it. Yeah. So, and, you know, I think sometimes, um, you know, folks think, well, you know, I, I'm, maybe you haven't hit rock bottom yet, 
or maybe I already am at rock bottom, you know, really for us, what we would like is for folks to reach out and get the help before they have to get to rock bottom. Absolutely. They don't have to. I mean, we can soften that rock Mm -hmm. bottom, right? It's basically, you know, if you're starting to question things and there's, there's actually, you know, there's things online even that you can take, you know, a, a little Task. Like an assessment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. An assessment. Thank you. Couldn't think of the word. And, you know, do you have a drinking problem kind of thing? I mean, they're all yeah. over yeah. the internet. And I mean, I think sometimes deep down, you kind of know, like, all right, yeah. am I drinking too much? Like you kind of like, I think I say a lot about trusting your gut, you know, it's just kind of, I mean, when people are telling you you're drinking an awful lot too much, or, you know, again, the consequences, it's all about your consequences and how it's impacting your daily life. Um, and then that's what comes in is, you know, the other factors that throw into come into it is enabling. If you have a partner that enables your behavior or a family member who's enabling you by, okay, you lost your license for a DUI, but I'm going to drive you to work. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to figure it out yourself. So that's the thing, right? It's just, it's again, you don't have to have a DUI or, you know, be in jail or anything like that to say like, you know, I have a problem. Yeah. Right. And I, and I should get some help. Right. Absolutely. So, okay. We, we may have some folks there who are, okay, I might need to call someone. Let me talk with my insurance. Let me find somebody finding a Mm -hmm. good therapist who specializes in addiction can be hard, right? So I think just a reminder for folks that, you know, you may not find the right therapist right away, but continuing to fight for your sobriety is um, part of, of trying not to have all those consequences, both the short and the long-term consequences. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And that's, and see, it's so like, there's different stages of where someone can be at as far as their recovery, um, especially, you know, like you've got the very beginning stages, right? What do you do? It's rehab is, you know, it patient is so important, right? If someone who cannot stop, that's just something like there's different levels of care. I mean, you got to kind of go through them. You could say, okay, maybe I have a problem. I'm going to maybe try, you know, going to a therapist and then go that route. And then a lot of times what I say to people, if you can't stop drinking, you need a higher level of care. I can't help you like same thing too. Cause so many people are like, well, I can't go to inpatient. Who's going to take care of my kids. Who's going to take care of the house or blah, blah, blah. I mean, that is something that I struggled with for many years. Like I knew I had a problem, but I was like, I couldn't imagine. I couldn't give up the, you know, like I have my white picket fence, perfect life um, from the outside. Yeah. Right? Super mom. Um, and that, that prevents a lot of women from seeking help until yeah. it's like you're to a point of desperation. So what I was talking about, everybody's in different stages, yeah. right? If you're, you know, after you get sober and if you went to inpatient or outpatient, you know, and then it's like, okay, what's the next layer of the next level really of working on yourself? And that's definitely where therapy comes in. I always recommend that. It's almost like you walk off the door out of rehab and you're like, okay, now what? Now like, what? 
Okay. I'm supposed to go to meetings or find a therapist. I mean, they tell you all this stuff when you get discharged, but it's the follow through and being committed to doing that. And there's many different ways to get sober. Um, whatever that may look like therapy, 12 step, definitely, you know, inpatient or outpatient, I think is really important. Once you say, okay, I'm going to therapy for this, you know, my substance use, um, to learn how to kind of work through the feelings. Um, it's just finding someone you're comfortable with and someone who has the experience too. That's also important because what's interesting about addiction is like the first year really is just learning how to stay away from your drug or drink. Mm-hmm. Like really it's like yeah. learning things. Yeah. And then that second year you sometimes we call it emotional sobriety. All of a sudden, all the stuff gets thrown at you. Um, and you're like, I don't know how to deal with this. Right. It's like, oh my gosh. And then it's, (laughs) so that's where therapy is very helpful. In addition to anything else you're doing for your sobriety, as far as like support groups, um, again, 12 step, you know, if that's something you're choosing to do, it's almost like you need all these things in your toolbox to keep you in that continued state of recovery. Yes. I mean, for as long as someone has been using and you are essentially clouded. I used to describe my own sobriety as like, I woke up from a coma. Gosh, my head's clear. I can't believe I've been living this way for this long. Like, wow, your world is surrounded by drinking. And that's another indicator is if you can, if you notice that you, your day is kind of run by when I can drink. Mm-hmm. That's an indicator. I, like this is, oh, yeah. this is a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. yeah. Like I used to make sure that my kids, if they were in an activity or something, I'll drive and drop them off. But if I can get someone to bring them back, then I can start drinking at this time. Like it's, that's the stuff that you don't think that it's an issue, but then when you step back, you're like, oh my gosh, how much of my life I'm trying to coordinate around when and how I can continue to use. Absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you, um, I, I love all of this and, and kind of the, uh, go, you tell me. The other thing, one thing I want to say, I think that's made it difficult for women to see that they have a problem is that they call it mommy wine culture. Mm. So it essentially justifies drinking because you're stressed out. Yep. And the kids, yep. I mean, I see so much stuff and it's just like, I'm like, seriously, I mean, sometimes I laugh because I'm like, yeah, that was me. Like some of the sayings are, are kind of witty and, and funny, but it's really not because I remember myself being like, Oh, wine in a book club. Ooh, perfect. That mm-hmm. gives me you drink. I can uh-huh. everybody else drinking. Like it's giving the green light. Like, yeah, we can do yoga and drink. Who does that? Like, why? Like, I don't know. It's that I think is a big barrier. Yeah. Right, with- okay. So you have already talked about two big barriers to getting help, right? Like feeling like we as mothers have to keep it all together, right? Yeah. We as women, maybe if you're not mm-hmm. a mom, you just feel like I've got to keep it together. I've got to look like I have it all together and I'm going to save face. We do mm-hmm. have this culture of women and wine. Uh, I loved your, your mommy mm-hmm. wine culture and how we've kind of made it okay to be Uh drinking as um, kind of every social gathering. 
And right. as you were also talking, I can see those two things as being major barriers to getting treatment. But then mm-hmm. also I think about that, um, that process you were talking about that, that, that first year is just kind of like, I just got to figure out how to stay on track. Right. And then that second mm-hmm. year of the emotional stuff. And for some people, it may be shorter or longer, I'm sure. But I think about the way uh, a, a person and a woman maybe in particular would come out of treatment. Mm-hmm. How do you not get sucked into the guilt of I cannot believe that I let this happen. I've missed all of these months of my time with my kids. Like I, I can't even imagine the amount of kind of shame that our yeah. our culture kind of puts on, frankly, just any taking a break for mommies, right? Where it's like, oh, I'm going to take a break or I'm going to step away from being a mom for a little bit. And uh-huh. the shame we put on those moms I cannot imagine the pressure a, a woman in sobriety would feel because of because of all those things. How do we help people that way, Chrissy? Mm-hmm. That's a big one. Shame, absolutely, like big. I mean, I get, and this is something that I say: like, don't be so hard on yourself, right? Mm-hmm. It's you have to have that initial understanding of okay, here you are, you're sober let's focus on how to create a a new version of you, the version that you were always meant to be kind of thing, like the person you wanted to be the person, you know, that you thought you were going to be, but just this addiction, just, you know, squash that. Yeah. So, you know, it's just about learning how to forgive yourself and reminding yourself you're sober, you got the help, you know, you, if you consistently keep doing the next right thing, what you're supposed to do, taking care of yourself, taking care of your sobriety, making yourself a priority, that other stuff works out. It truly does. It doesn't feel like it, it will, because when you're in it, you don't see it as with anything, you don't realize you're in it and you have to go through it. You just have to go through it. You can't go around it. You can't go under it. And that I think sometimes derails a lot of women, even people in general of, you know, relapse because they're just like, so overwhelmed with all that shame and guilt and of like, oh my gosh. And they just, they want to, they go back to the coping skill that they are most familiar with. Yep. Even if they don't want to. Yeah. But in that moment, they're going to numb themselves. Yep. And it's just that vicious cycle. And it's just a matter of, of finding the support yeah. of other people who have been in your, in their position. Right. So again, therapy, other sober supports, you know, uh, anything that you can find that allows you to feel lifted, I guess, yeah. and build you up. Cause that's what you need. You cannot do this alone. I say that all the time. You just can't. So- you do, you, you focus your work on women in recovery, specifically your website, fostering your wellness. I, I love how you kind of approach this. Um, you know, for anyone who looks at your website, you just go into it feeling like, okay, she's talking directly to me, you know, Mm -hmm. she's talking really directly to me. So if we think about all those things that we know women stepping through recovery, maybe they've just come out of treatment. They've had some 
sometime in sobriety, what are you finding is, is some of the most helpful things that you help women uh, with during those times? Well, the biggest thing, like in the most general of, of terms is, all right, I, I've, you get sober and then you're like, now what? Like, okay, I've just been in rehab. This is how I stay sober. And then they, you know, you're out the door and you're like, okay, now what? Now I have to go back to my life walk into the house and be surrounded by everybody who, you know, it's like you get dropped, <laughs> dropped right, right back it. to where you were like, like culture shock because you're very raw. Um, it takes a while for your body to kind of heal itself. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's going on. And then you're, you know, you talked earlier about the shame and then the self-esteem. Mm. I mean, that's one of the biggest things that you find that I find with women is their self-esteem is just down the tubes. Yeah. At that point, it's learning how to advocate for yourself. I talk about that all the time, using your voice. Yeah. Um, a lot of women don't know how to use their voice. Didn't even know they had one. Yeah. Um, you know, just to even speak up and say, I'm feeling a certain way, right? This is how I'm feeling. You know, I'm feeling, oh, I'm feeling tired. I'm overworked. I'm, I need some help with the kids or I don't like my job or, you know, this family situation is really weighing on me, whatever that may be. Right. It's just, I don't know. I think sometimes women are just supposed to smile and be like, okay. And it's just not realistic. Um, you know, and, and again, stigma, it's about the stigma. So it's just learning how to like, learn how to love this life that you got sober for. Right. Yeah. I mean, think about what women wished for, like, Oh, like I just, even myself, it's like, Oh, I couldn't imagine not drinking. I was like, I can't believe I will never be able to drink again, but it's like you, I never knew what it was really like yeah. to have a life without drinking. Right. Yeah. So that was part of the problem too. Like I didn't yeah. know life could be this good. So yeah. it's, it's that journey, right? We, I keep seeing the journey and it's, it's in sections. Like you have to go through all this stuff, right? Yeah. The, it's just learning how to take care of yourself and make yourself a priority. And it's not selfish, right? There's a big thing between self-care and selfish. That's the other thing. So it's, it's education, you know, a lot of that is part of what I do as a therapist, you know, learning what their narrative has been telling, you know, what they've been telling themselves about who they should be when really it's not who they want to be. I think the biggest thing I've heard too is like, okay, I feel stuck. I just really, I'm like, I feel stuck. Like, what do I do? Yeah. I don't like the job anymore, or I don't like this relationship I'm in. You end up having more time on your hands essentially, because you're not, your life is not dictated by the drink yeah. or the drug use. Um, you're really raw. I think what you're also describing has to be figuring out how to replace those behaviors, replace those things you Absolutely. use to cope with something healthier while you're in an environment, right? Like mm -hmm. most folks, I would guess, go back to where they were living before, or they are back mm -hmm. in an environment with they're in a relationship with someone that they were in with before. And so it's like, you're yeah. just kind of putting yourself back in those situations where your body has remembered yep. all these things. And so mm -hmm. it's really easy to fall right back into 
the way you used to cope. It's you have to really go against your natural inclination when your body has kind of been programmed to do a certain thing in that environment, right? Absolutely. That's what I mean. Like people feel really good when they get sober, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of, I mean, I'm just generalizing right from my work with people in recovery and just even my own personal experience. And, you know, you feel great. You feel awesome. Like this, there's a little spark, right? You're like, Oh, you know, I'm living. But then again, it's like, okay, you're put back into a situation and your coping skills are, you know, you're still trying to figure those out. I mean, there's so many things like, you know, cognitive distortions, you know, like distorted thinking, you know, like one example that a lot of people just, you know, it's uh, catastrophizing, right. It's like thinking the worst about every situation. That's one little example, right. It's kind of learning how to, you know, you're asked to change everything about your life. I'm changing it, but what do I do? Just like you said, I need to replace these activities. So what does that look like? And I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. It's overwhelming. And without any support, it feels paralyzing. Yes. Yeah. That's why there's ongoing support in lots of ways, whether it's therapy plus meetings, plus, you know, Uh sober friends, you know, additional supports. I'm wondering, Chrissy, with the pandemic, how has sort of the pandemic and social distancing and social isolation, how does that impact someone in their road to recovery? Yeah. I mean, on many layers, I mean, you threw out the isolation key. I mean, that's in general would be addiction is already an isolating Mm. to begin with before the pandemic even started. Right. It's that's what happens in general. And then on top of it, here you are not being able to do anything. And I think the biggest thing too, about someone getting sober is that, that, um, fellowship, right. The, the meet, the people coming together with other individuals who get it and understand if you're doing 12 step or if you're doing some other kind of recovery program, um, where there's a group of people, you really lose out on that camaraderie, right? Yeah. Like yeah. I'm with my people right now, yeah. but in the beginning there, that wasn't going on, right? They, you know, there weren't meetings. I mean, a lot of things have gone on zoom now, but the connection is key. It's like, you know, you walk into a room and you know, you're with people that understand. And when that's not there, it does make it difficult. I mean, recovery is definitely different in the last two years for someone going through that and experiencing that, depending what platform you're using for a support group, you know, there's people that shake hands, hug, you know, that connection, right? Like I get it. I get you. I understand. It's tough. It's definitely tough. I've never had uh, a substance use disorder. I have definitely had moments of addictive behavior where I overeat or I, you know, I, I overwatch uh, Netflix or whatever. And I think that is so much easier to do when no one's watching. Right. And so I think about that in the pandemic where it's, we have been more isolated. And so it would be really easy to do all the things that I wouldn't have accountability for when people aren't around. Absolutely. I mean, you can hide. I mean, that's the thing. No, you know, you can hide. 
And I mean, just imagine like, you don't have to go to work. So you could drink at your house if you really needed to, I guess, if you worked from home, right? I mean, my gosh, it definitely has compounded the road to recovery. Oh, absolutely. And that's the thing that's so difficult and frustrating. There's already so many barriers, which we've talked about, right? Many barriers. And to throw this pandemic on top of it, it's, it sucks. And I mean, you read all the time, you know, that the overdose deaths have increased, right? I mean, nobody talks about that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, even alcohol itself, there are so many factors that people don't even see how alcohol contributes to deaths, right? I mean, you can have someone who is drinking, ends up passing out in the bathroom, hits their head on the toilet or the tub and, and dies, but it wouldn't be seen as from alcohol. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? But it is because yeah. it's like, it's, it's accidental and, you know, them not knowing that maybe that that person had a problem again, it's socially accepted. That's the other problem, right? It's that social acceptance, all the commercials, all the, every sporting event, every, you know, it's just like normal, Yeah, but it doesn't have to be that way. It just doesn't. It's definitely become very socialized um, Mm -hmm. in our culture, especially. Okay. So um, Chrissy, you have a website, you have some freebies there and you have a journal and you do individual therapy. Tell folks how they can find you and maybe access some resources that uh, you have available to them. My website is fosteringyourwellness.com. And on there, um, I have a blog, which I actually, there's a lot of good um, articles on there that I wrote um, related to my own personal um, journey and some kind of insight, insightful things. I also have a a free um, guide. It's, you know, five reasons why you feel stuck in your recovery. Yeah. so it kind of gets you, you know, thinking about some things. And then I also have a journal that I created. It's a 30 day journal, self-discovery and sobriety. Like, you know, all the things we talked about at the stage of like, okay, I'm sober, but like, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? So it kind of goes through a few assessments and then just, it's a daily journal and with thought provoking questions if you exercised or, you know, how you were feeling, you know, what were your thoughts for the day? Like that kind of stuff to kind of just keep you on track and, and paying attention to yourself. Cause that I think is where, you know, we lack the ability to, to stay on track is mm-hmm. we put ourselves on the back burner all the time. It's a PDF um, downloadable file. And I also actually am getting some printed. So that'll be an option as well at some point, but then too, with, excuse me, therapy, you can email me to request, you know, we can have a 15 minute consultation. If you want to talk, um, we can go from there. You do have to be in Pennsylvania currently if you wanted to do therapy, but I also have a free Facebook group on there that I'm using as, you know, just kind of topics that women in recovery are kind of, you know, want to learn about, talk about, um, do that kind of forum. So that's a free thing too. You just have to put in your email. I love it. I'm so thankful that you came to share uh, about all these things. Cause I know that women especially um, needed to hear this. So Absolutely. thank you for being here. 
Um, Thank you for having me. And if there's questions, like even if someone wants to throw out a question and, you know, not even necessarily saying I need, I want to do therapy or ask me, I, you know, I'll put you in the right direction of, you know, and I'd be happy to answer any questions. And, and that's the other thing. That's why I've been so, you know, for the last 10 years, I, I've been very transparent with my own recovery. Um, I think it's really important to lessen the stigma, like to show that you can live a life, a sober life. I love that. And I, I know it is empowering to so many people. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's so good. Y'all, thanks for listening. Uh, my website is makewordsmatterforgood.com. You can reach out there to me uh, with any questions that you have about anything else. Or if you want to join on the podcast, you can reach out there. And until uh, next time, thanks for listening to Things You Learn in Therapy. Yeah.